broadcasting live. Weekday morning, this is listener-supported One Radio Network. And look at that, only four minutes, five minutes late. Well, that's not too bad for Tuesday. <laughs> Good morning. This is OneRadioNetwork.com. We broadcast live from our palatial studios in Dripping Springs, Texas. Come visit sometime. Everybody else in the world is moving here to Texas and Florida. You might as well come too. And um, we're on the air every morning at 10 a.m. We're going to have a good show for you today. Zoe Harkham, one of our fave guests. She's in, in England, and uh, she does research, like out-of-control research, zoeharkham.com. We're going to dig into some things about the heart and also quite a bit on the, um, the whole carbohydrate thing that uh, is... Um, a real disconnect between the whole world, but we'll get into it. Uh, in, a, in a couple of hours, Susan Bradford. And Susan comes on from time to time. She's a deep researcher into, you know, they, when people say, did you hear what they're doing? Did you hear what they are doing? Well, she researches who the they are and, and where the bodies are buried. And it's kind of fun to dig in there, even though we can't do anything about it. It's kind of fun to know who they are. And today's they is Jack Abramoff who is intertwined in like a giant squid with everything going on today and way back, and uh, the Rothschilds and fascinating stuff. So we're going to talk to her. She's fun to talk to. Tomorrow, Fred Jaszewski in the real world of money. And if you're not um, thinking that there's a lot going on in the world of money, well, then you're just not paying attention. And good for you. Tell me how you do it, because you're probably not on the Internet. Uh, and that's what my goal in life is. And then uh, tomorrow, Vera Ahmad, who's a really um, fascinating fellow, travels the world and looks at the world of health and nutrition, and he's uh, very good at it. He always has some interesting things. You can't categorize Vera anyway. I mean, he eats a lot of stuff. And then our phone lines are almost ready to go. They actually knocked on the door yesterday, the phone company, and came up to the studio to see why we can't get this feed for 800 numbers. So we're close. It's only been... Uh, almost a month after the ice storm. Yes, we had two inches of global warming forming on the on the you know the ice storm and uh, you know broke the broke the line. Well, that's enough about uh, business. And now off to England, where we go to and visit with Zoe Harkham. Uh, Miss Harkham has been on uh, before several times. She's a great researcher, author, blogger, public speaker in the field of diet and health. She's a PhD and. Her particular interest and, and, and uh, expertise is to be able to look at studies and figure out what these studies mean and what they don't mean and who financed them. And, and that's really fun because you and I can always just, did you hear that study about if you eat frogs, you know, you'll live to 150? I mean, who, who, did, the, you know, who did the study? So we're going to go to England. Miss Zoe, hey, guy. Oh, good evening to you, right? It's uh, 6 o'clock or 4 o'clock there. It's uh, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Yes, it's late uh, afternoon here. Yeah, and I, the weather is hideous, which is why I'm back wearing a warm um, sort of woolly jacket on top of a thermal. It is ridiculous, as you say. The global warming, please. Can we have some? I'm fed up with this winter. I should be sunbathing by now. I mean, it is so cold. And it's, where oh, where are you in relation to uh, uh, London that we all know? 
Yes, I'm actually in Wales rather than England. So if you left London and headed due west after about two hours of driving, you would reach Wales. And that's where I am. So just over the border from England into Wales, heading out west from London. Wales is its own country. Yes. Ah, Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, so you've got the United Kingdom, mm-hmm. um, which is Wales, Scotland, England, and Northern Ireland. Um, and we were much more united until 1999. And Tony Blair, who's one of the globalists that uh-huh. your guest Susan might well know a little bit more about, um, in his infinite wisdom, he decided to offer independence to Northern Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. And they had votes and hardly anybody voted. And they didn't realize to keep the status quo, you needed to get out and vote. So I think the Wales particular example, only 50% of people bothered to vote, but 50% of those voted in favor of independence. So only 25% of Wales wanted independence, but, you know, the rest obviously just assumed if I do nothing, it will stay as it is. So we ended up with independence. So it means that Wales, tiny country with about 3 million people, is responsible for its own health, for its own education. Mm. Um, Some other things are what we call devolved. So I think some aspects of transport are devolved and some social services. But we really noticed it during... COVID or Corona nonsense, as I call it, because health was the act that was used to officiate the Corona regulations. So we had different regulations in England, different in Scotland, different in Wales, different in Northern Ireland. And living near the border, as I do, we had the crazy situation where I wasn't allowed to go in a cinema in Wales and I was allowed to go in a cinema in England. (laughs) Or at one point, I would have to wear a mask in England and I wouldn't have to wear a mask if I went anywhere in Wales. I mean, it was just insane. This was supposed to be science. Why would the globalist, uh, and, and you're correct, he's one of the all-time globalists, Tony Blair, want, want other uh, countries to be independent? I mean, don't the globalists just want to control everything? I, I don't understand the, the thinking behind That's that. That's a good point, yeah. Uh, and I've, I've thought about that as well. And, and what I think it does is, I think so much of what is going on at the moment is just a distraction. Hmm. And that our constant question should be, what is it a distraction from? Okay. So I think since that has happened, Scotland then actually wanted true independence from which England. Which they have for a long time, right? They have for a long time. Yeah, which they have for a long time. But sure. giving them a little bit has given them more of a taste of, we just want the whole independence. So there was actually a referendum in... I think it was 2016. I think it was the big year when people voted for Brexit and people voted for Trump. It was either 2016 or it was 2015. And there was a independence referendum in Scotland, but really narrowly, the Scots said, no, we want to stay as part of the UK. I think it was another one of those 52, 48 votes. Um, But then they're still talking about independence. Wales talks about independence. It's just, it, it gives so many people a single cause and if you're fighting Scottish independence and you're worrying about 15-minute cities and you're worrying about Brexit and you're worrying about the next election um, and you're worrying about whatever Dalai Lama is up to, everyone is distracted <laughs> while the big I'll tell you what the Dalai Lama's on, up to. He's sucking oh, on don't. Voice. Did you see that? I mean, oh, my God. Oh, I did. I, I was disgusted. Oh, my, oh my God. So, Utterly so disgusted. So it sounds similar to here where the globalists who are controlling everything here Biden and everything, they, on all metrics, they, they want to destroy this country. They, they want to destroy, yeah. destroy. Same thing going on there? 
Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, it, it does seem to be. It seems to be yeah. leave Africa alone. China and Russia are unto their own. Yeah, um, on their own thing. It, it's been kind of like it was with COVID. We want to make sure we control Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, but I think South Africa largely did its own thing. Europe, um, certainly Western Europe, the UK, America, Canada. Mm. Um, yes, Brazil, some of Mexico and so on. But I mean, the big countries that they're after are the English speaking countries and, and then, and then the eco center in Europe, um, sort of France, mm. if you get France and Germany. And when you look at where they've managed to place their young leaders and you've got Macron and you've got Ursula von Leyden and, um, Angela Merkel and the Austrian chancellor who came in and, literally turned into a little Hitler trying to right. imprison everyone who wouldn't Crazy. take the uh, the experimental uh, injection. Um, oh yeah, it's just, just, it's been unbelievable. It's still, every time I think of it, my head can't compute what happened over the last yeah. three years. And now you have King Charlie, and by all accounts, he's one of the all-time globalists, right? He's a World Economic yeah. Forum member, and he loves Klaus yeah. Schwab, and they go out drinking together. So no telling what he's yeah. going to be up to, right? Yeah. And um, it, when you say to people, you mention this and people say, oh, you're one of those conspiracy theorists. So you show them his Twitter account. So this was <laughs> when he was Prince Charles and it was the Prince Charles and Camilla Clarence House blue tick official Twitter account. June 2020, the tweet is still there. And Prince Charles is announcing the Great Reset has been launched. Oh, good. And he, he was the one who got to announce it. Oh, good. Um, and you say to people, the Great Reset has been launched. And they just say, oh, you're one of those conspiracy theorists. It's like, but Prince Charles launched it. <laughs> Wait, how, how more obvious does it have to be? I mean, they just do everything in our face. Yeah. yeah. And it's so in our face. It's a really clever tactic. It's so in our face that most people can't see it. How about the general population, the people that you meet is it kind of divided here where half the people are kind of awake and the other half are woke? Yeah, I don't know if yeah. it's half, okay. but it's it's very it's very split mm -hmm. by certain populations. Yeah. So in yeah. my experience, the people who are awake are what we would call over here the working classes. Yes, so taxi drivers, delivery drivers, shop assistants, um, plumbers, electricians, people who are actually doing a, a good day's graft are awake by and large. It's really unusual to find one of those who isn't awake. They're mm. delightful, refreshing, wonderful. Um, the people who are not awake are um, what we call the, the sort of laptop classes. Um, the middle classes, the ones who stayed at home, who liked lockdown because it meant they didn't have to spend their money driving to work. They could work at home, look after the kids, look after the dog, get the deliveries. Um, the shopping came to them. They didn't have to go out. They didn't have to worry about this nasty COVID thing. Um, they got lots of money from the government. Their businesses got lots of money. They loved lockdown. They would love it to all happen <laughs> again. Um, and they are still fast asleep. They, yeah. they are on jab. Jab number six is coming up in wow. the UK this spring. Wow! Um, my father-in-law is yeah. He's, my father-in-law is due to have have his sixth. Um, some people are on their fifth. Some people kind of stopped at four. Some stopped at three. My goodness. Some stopped at two. Um, it's very variable. My goodness. Um, my but goodness. It, it, it's so split in terms of the type of um, of worker and almost the more affluent 
you are um with no with some exceptions i say when you get back to the what we would um it's it's, it's great britain isn't it you, what you call the upper classes mm-hmm. you're back to then people who are awake so i'm in some freedom fighting groups and <laughs> there's celebrities in there there's um sports people musicians actors um so when you get to well-known people wealthy people a lot of those are quite awake as well so um, but then a lot aren't yeah, so your your specialty zoe harcum is obviously health nutrition and healing and all of this but it it sounds like it appears excuse me if i'm supposing something that's incorrect that there you're you're interested in the details and the research and and you you really see the lay of the land what's going on there politically and geopolitically so this is just interesting to use just to know what's going on and you're involved too it's um i am a natural skeptic i don't know where it came from (laughs) but i've always been a skeptic so Mm. if somebody tells me something i don't believe it until i see it for myself Mm. unless i get to the point that i've read somebody's stuff or i've looked at their videos so much and like dr malcolm kendrick um there are times when i might say oh i'm not sure I believe that, but 99% of the time I can read something or hear something from Malcolm and and I just know I don't have to research that. I've come to know him so well. I think Professor Tim Noakes Noakes, is another one. He he got the early stuff wrong. He's admitted he got it wrong. He's now got it right. Um, But if I hear a piece of news, if I say, if if I hear the, I mean, I don't listen to the BBC anymore, but if the BBC Um, says that something's happened. I've got to go and check it for myself because I just don't yeah. believe it until I see the evidence. It's the same way here with um, the national public radio and television. I mean, you you just can't believe anything that they say, you know. Yeah. Because it's state owned, right? It's run by the run by yes. the, run by the state. Yeah. So yeah. is your before we dig into some studies, is your medical system over there um, as crackers as ours is as <laughs> as far as as far as really getting any kind of real help from doctors? Is it? the same as it is here yeah is it? yeah um yeah so doctors get um seven years at medical school um they get the standard training um some would call it indoctrination it's heavily influenced by the pharmaceutical companies um so they're taught about drugs to administer for particular conditions it's a sort of national treatment service rather than a national health service um genuine health things that would make somebody naturally healthy um to boost immunity all the good things in life um they don't learn about i was in dublin for a conference last weekend and i met with a couple of medical students at a dinner after the conference and they were joking and said they just had their half day of nutrition training (laughs) and this was in about year four (laughs) and they knew they weren't going to get any more for the rest of the course they were going to get half a day and that was it and the half a day was hilarious it was um they said it was a very obese woman who turned up and talked to them about the eat lancet diet eat um you know the eat lancet diet have you heard of that one i don't know that one okay so in uh we're talking carbohydrates so we're straight into talking carbs with this study so in january 2019 a study was published in the lancet which of course is one of the most esteemed journals in the world and it was called the eat lancet diet and it was a diet for the world a one world diet good and at the time that didn't resonate with me at all i i hadn't i was not asleep i was awake to medical nonsense i was awake to you can't trust everything you're hearing on climate and all the rest of it 
Um, but I wasn't awake to the whole what's going on in the world, the big agenda. I wasn't awake at all. Ah. So I look back now and I think, oh, one world diet, how funny. Um, and they literally put forward a diet for the world. Um, if you go on my website and just put in eat, E-A-T, Lancet, um, you'll come up with a, a few articles on this. The first thing I did, the day the study was published, 56-page paper, I went in to analyze the nutritional value of the diet. And it was so deficient in virtually every nutrient we need. It was catastrophically deficient really? in complete protein, essential fats, omega-3 particularly, um, B12, retinol, D3, iron, calcium, zinc. I mean, you name it, you weren't getting it from this diet. They were happy if you followed the diet as a vegan. So when it came to meat, it would have sort of 0 to 28 grams. So you were allowed up to 28 grams. And if you had 0 grams, that was great. Um, I think fish was the same. Um, red meat was 14 grams or something. You can't even weigh 14 grams out on your plate. Um, 14 you know, grams it's is just like, your, yeah, it's just like this much, right? It's like... It's your thumbnail, yeah. <laughs> um, it was insane. And then it said you should have 120 calories of sucrose. Sucrose? Of sucrose. Yeah, sucrose. Okay. So you would get more calories from sucrose than from chicken, eggs, and fish combined, even if you had the maximum recommended intake of chicken, eggs, and fish. I mean, it was the most insane diet I've ever seen in my life. And this is how they wanted the, the one world to eat. Ah. And and I, I explained to these students, it's completely deficient. They're awake, so they understand what this whole one world agenda is now. But mm. they hadn't made the connection with that one world diet, just as I hadn't at the time. Yeah, I, I, had, I had not heard of about a one, well, you might as well have a one world diet if you're going to have a one world currency and a one world government. <laughs> Just throw the diet. A one world <laughs> passport and all the rest of it, digital the, identity and the, one world government, one world lockdown, thing, right? yeah. one world health regulations. Yeah. Uh, Zoe Harkum is that. with us. Her website is zoeharkum.com. Phone lines are not yet repaired, coming soon. So uh, participate this morning by emailing Patrick at oneradionetwork.com. We're live here on 11 April. Zoe, thanks so much for coming on the show. So one of the big um, disconnects I see in the last year or so is this whole idea of carbohydrates and the, 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 the possibilities that they're causing a lot of problems. That's one side people are talking about. You know, the carnivore people and the keto people and all this. We've been we've been talking to. And then the other um, separation is there's a whole group along with this first group that are arguing that you don't even need them. Never mind that they're not good for you. You know, they're hurting you with, with insulin resistance and all that, but you don't even need them. So you just eat the meat and them. So well, let, let's flesh this out a little bit. What do you see in the studies that you look into and you really look at these studies? You just don't look at the headline and come up with stuff. What can you tell us what you've seen uh, that we can kind of hang our hat on a little bit as far as carbohydrates? Okay. Um, if we just start with a couple of facts, the most important fact to start with is we have zero requirement for carbohydrate. And that is just a nutritional fact. Uh, so, uh, all carbohydrates, vegetables, yeah. rice, everything, yeah. zero? Yeah. We don't need it. I'm not saying we shouldn't have it. Okay. I'm saying we don't 
need it. So there are three macronutrients, carbohydrates, fat, and protein. We have essential in nutrition means something that we must consume. The body doesn't make it. We must get it in our diet. So we have essential proteins, which we know as amino acids. We we have essential fats, which we know as omega-3 and omega-6, and we need those in a particular form, and that just tends to be the form in which they're provided by animal foods. There are no essential carbohydrates. Um, And I can give you various references for that, but it is a, a nutritional fact. We have no actual requirement for carbohydrates. So the next question becomes, okay, we don't need it. It's not like water and air, which we need, otherwise we die. Um, Should we then have it? And I'm not in the group that says you shouldn't. Um, And I don't think the carnivore group are there either. I think what the carnivore group is saying is that there are some people who just don't seem to do well with carbohydrate. And for those people, certainly the lower they go, the better. And there are some people who have such a reaction to carbohydrates. Um, I, I mean, people like Georgia Reed always springs to mind in this respect. Dr. Georgia Reed, mm-hmm. who's a psychotherapist, has physical and mental reactions to plants mm. um, t- to the point that it's just not a good idea for her to eat them. She just feels so much better when she doesn't eat them. Now, I think that's quite rare. But I do think that there are very few people, if any, who should be eating the amount of carbohydrate that our governments are telling us to eat. So the government would, I mean, remember, I think we've done this before. If you you sort of picture a a circle, because you've got those three macronutrients, another nutritional fact is that protein tends to be about 15 to 20% of any natural diet. So the minute you put in a fat restriction of 30%, which the government did back in the late 70s, early 80s, you are by default saying the rest of that pie needs to be taken up by carbohydrates. So you're saying 50%, 55%. Quite honestly, the government would be happy if we ate 20% of our diet in the form of fat, which then means we would end up with 65% of our diet in the form of carbohydrates. So 65% in the form of something we don't even need. Um, and, and that is a level that I think nobody can tolerate. That is, I don't know what the upper limit of carbohydrate is, but it's way below 65%. Um, I, I would, you know, I've had to pluck a number out of the air. Human beings should not be going above 40% carbohydrate. And, um, and diabetics far, far less than that. So is the big issue, according to all the research you've done, with the carbohydrates, whether it be wheat or rice or... <laughs> I guess oatmeal, um, what are some of the other ones people eat, uh, bread and stuff, well, that's wheat. Yeah. Um, that it's, it's, a, it's a sugar issue with the carbohydrates yeah. form and then you get the insulin and, and then you, that, could, that could turn into even um, damaging the arteries and then you can get into heart disease, the whole metabolic syndrome thing. Is that yeah. in a nutshell? Uh, that I, yeah, that I almost see as a secondary thing. My secondary. first principle, oh. yeah, my first principle with carbohydrate would be every time you're consuming carbohydrate, you could have eaten something more nutritious. Oh, okay. So you've made a poor hmm. dietary choice. So if I see brown, and I will have brown rice sure. and baked potatoes and whatever occasionally because I'm not... Um, you know, I can tolerate carbohydrates. I'm not Georgia. Um, but every time I look at something like rice on my plate, I'm aware that I could have had something more nutritious. Like more meat? So, 
more, 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 yeah, what, what more needs fat? to go, yeah, yeah. Hmm. The, the, the nutrients are found in meat, especially red meat and offal, in fish, especially oily fish, hmm. in eggs, especially the yolks, and in dairy, especially full fat. That's where hmm. the nutrients are found in the form that we need them. So that's what I need to base my diet on. Um, I enjoy salads. I like a big, crunchy super salad, um, grated carrot and different leaves, especially if they're grown from the garden and tomatoes in season and beetroot. And, you know, you can make a really lovely super salad. Um, I also enjoy vegetables, roasted Mediterranean vegetables. I enjoy brown rice. Um, with a curry, I enjoy a baked potato. But when I eat the brown rice or the baked potato or even fruit, I'm aware that I could have made mm. a better dietary choice. So the first issue is that they're displacing more nutritious foods. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So it's almost like the days when we used to eat carbs for comfort, you do some of these other foods for your comfort and just for fun, even though you know you, know, you don't need them nutritionally. It's just something yeah. fun. Baked potatoes, yeah. fun. A lot and, of butter. <laughs> and it makes a change, yeah. yeah. And it might be that you're at someone's, if you're at someone's house sure. um, and someone has done a, a chili, um, they almost always serve it with brown rice. Um, some of our friends would serve it with cauliflower rice, which would be brilliant. That would whack the, the carb content down um, quite substantially because then you're right. Um, you know, whether it's secondary or primary, the stuff that you mentioned is so right because the impact that carbohydrates has on our whole metabolic system it, it is catastrophic. I mean, I always come back to saying... Wow. If you think about how much glucose there is in the bloodstream at any one time, it's the equivalent of one teaspoon. Yeah, you've said that it's before. One four. teaspoon. How many grams is yeah. that? Five? Four to five grams. At one time is circling in our body. Yeah. Wow. In your body and my body, one teaspoon wow. of glucose. So the minute you have an apple, which is a little bit more fructose than glucose, but let's say it's close to 50-50, Let's say you're chucking in, I don't know, 10 grams of glucose, 10 grams of fructose. The fructose is going to go to the liver where you're going to be at risk of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and the glucose goes into the bloodstream. So the bloodstream was perfectly happy at that lovely four to five mmol per liter. So that's your four to five grams. And then you chuck in 10 grams of glucose just by having one healthy apple. Wow. And the body just goes into, whoa, what happened? We have a... We have an emergency, we have a toxic situation in the bloodstream, we have glucose way above where it should be, wakes up the pancreas, call upon insulin, go and attach to that glucose, take it out of the bloodstream, store it out of the bloodstream somewhere as carbohydrate. Maybe the person is going to use that carbohydrate later on. But of course, we don't do that. We don't have a bit of carbohydrate and then reverse it out later. We have an apple, then we have a sandwich, then we have think about all the things our government tells us to eat. They tell us to have bread, to have potatoes, to have pasta, to have rice, to have fruit, mm -hmm. six to 11 portions of grains and five portions of fruit and vegetables. The amount of carbohydrate they're telling us to eat is just insane. And our body has to deal with it several times a day. No wonder we're getting type two diabetics in their teenage years. The body's just packed up. And so the carbohydrate then eventually ends up in fat. And, and this is the yes. whole obesity thing. Right. Yes. Right. So, mm. yeah, what, what should happen if you go back to when we were foraging, mostly we would kill animals and then we get the good fats and the protein and the nutrients that we need. In season, we would obviously eat anything we could forage. So in season, we'd have fruits, nuts, 
um, maybe some tubers that became available, particularly after we were able to use fire. Um, but then six months of the year, those would not be available. So when they were in season, yes, we would eat those. The body would turn them into glycogen. If we don't use the glycogen, we then turn that into fat. So it was a good idea to fatten up in the autumn to make sure that we got through the winter healthy and still alive, still with enough flesh on us to get through to the spring. But of course, what we're doing in this modern world is just eating carbs, storing them, carbs, storing them, carbs, storing them. And then if we don't use up that glycogen within 24 hours, it just gets stored as fat. The mm. body packs it away as body fat. So that's why when people do a carnivore or keto low carb, they lose weight. It's that simple. Fast, that's, that's yeah. Simple. Yeah. Very fast, yeah. And I don't think you have to go that far. You don't have to. Um, you will get fantastic results. But for most people, particularly those who are eating the standard American diet at the moment, so those who are having, let's say, 350 to 400 grams of carbohydrate, just go even on a moderately low carbohydrate diet. Go and buy a carb counter book, look, at, look up on the internet where you'll find carbs, and start off by saying, don't have any more than 150 grams a day and then see how you go, you'll realize immediately you need to cut out pasta, brown rice, potatoes to get porridge. You won't be having those starchy grains. <laughs> and you'll realize that you won't be having more than one or two pieces of fruit a day. And you'll start choosing berries instead of mm -hmm. pineapples. And you'll start choosing starchy vegetable, non-starchy vegetables instead of carrots and root vegetables. You so quickly realize where the carbohydrates are found. And what are the non-starchy, excuse me for interrupting, what, what are the non-starchy yeah. vegetables? Yeah, so they um, they tend to be sort of the above ground ones, or sometimes okay. we call them the greens. Uh -huh. um, so uh, lettuce, um, broccoli, um, cauliflower is is pretty um, non starchy. Courgettes, green beans. Um, what else can you get? Cabbages. Um, leafy greens, kale, all of those kind of things, particularly anything green or anything that's going to grow above the ground tends to be the non-starchy vegetables. And then it's mostly your root vegetables. So it's your um, parsnips, turnips, beetroot, carrot, um, potatoes. Those are more I mean, to me, starchy, more yeah, starchy. They're, they're below the ground. They're more starchy, higher in carb. You won't bother with them because you'll You'll decide when you're trying to count 150 grams of carb, you'll, you'll decide it's not worth having carrots when you'd be perfectly happy with broccoli and green beans. So this really explains from my your host here and other people that are doing pretty much a carnivore. I don't even know what to call it. Uh, I don't like to join a club because any club that would let me in, I don't want to join. You know what I mean? Uh, so, <laughs> I don't want to join. So, uh, but I, I feel so much... Is it the blood sugar? I just feel like this all the time. I mean, I just, it's the blood sugar that's stable. And you just feel okay even. with whatever, you know, it's okay. Yeah. It's just okay. Yeah. Wow. It's, it stays even because you're not chucking glucose in at all. Chucking, I like that word, chucking glucose in. <laughs> yeah, I think you need to look at it on that, like you're chucking a grenade into your body. <laughs> you're doing some serious damage every time you have something really carby. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Of course, myself as an Italian, I have to go to meetings if I don't eat pasta, uh, you know. <laughs> I have to go and do a few Hail Marys or <laughs> something. A few Hail Marys. Hey, Hail Marys is right. Uh, this is an email from Michelle. Thanks for having Zoe on. I always like it when you have her on. Uh, Patrick has interviewed so many people that talk about the dangers and the oxalates and these other poisons in the um, 
vegetables, especially the green ones she just mentioned. Oh, what does she think about the whole oxalate plant poison thing that's being talked about a lot? Yeah, it's. I think it goes back to this, um, it's individual. Mm. And I think some people, um, like Georgia Reed, experience it really, um, really acutely to the point that it's just not worth eating those things. I don't think the because whole world needs to go carnival. They, they feel yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. she will be physically ill. Yeah. She will probably be sick. She will probably actually reject those foods. Um, she just got to the point that they, they just don't work for her. Um, but I don't think the whole world needs to go carnivore. And I think a lot of populations, particularly populations that have grown up more um, eating carbohydrates. So India and China have quite rice-based sure. diets. Yeah. Um, but that worked just fine for them when they were toiling in the fields and doing sort of heavy labor, which was the nature of the work over in those populations. They've developed obesity and type 2 diabetes since the refined carbs of the Western world have arrived over there and they're having Coca-Cola and McDonald's and biscuits and cakes and cookies and all the rest of it. So I don't think the world needs to go carnivore. Yes, plants at some level are trying not to be eaten they're right. trying to sort of protect themselves but they do deliver nutrients so um the nutrients we need essential proteins essential fats those are the ones that we get in the in the macronutrients but then of course there are the micronutrients we've got vitamins and we've got minerals and minerals particularly are quite richly found in plant foods because of course minerals come from the ground and plant foods are found in the ground. So even though, yes, you get um, iron, calcium, and so on in fish and meat, you can find things like lentils, um, oats, um, dark green leafy vegetables. Again, they have good amounts of some key minerals. So they're particularly good for things like magnesium, selenium, um, Brazil nuts, of course, very good for selenium, sunflower seeds, very good for vitamin E, it's almost difficult to, to work out how you'd get vitamin E if you don't have sunflower seeds at some level um, or put things like uh, virgin olive oil on some of your salads. So there is a benefit to these things. I don't, I don't like people getting too extreme, like don't be vegan and don't be carnivore. If you can tolerate a big range of things in the middle, the more variety you can get once you've got your staples, the better. Hmm. So is there any evidence to support the carnivore keto people who are pretty hardcore that if you just do the meat and the fat and the eggs and the milk, uh, you're going to get everything that you need. Is there evidence to support that? Yeah, Isn't you will get everything you need because as we opened up the show saying mm. you don't need the carbohydrates. So by definition, if there's no essential carbohydrate, you can get everything you need from animal produce. So that would be meat, fish, eggs, and dairy. And I, I think you don't even have to eat dairy. I think you can get really? everything you need from, from meat. Um, probably if you then have meat and oily fish and eggs, you're, you're more than covered. Um, but again, just because you can doesn't mean, doesn't mean you, you should. You should because who knows? Yeah. Um, so how important do you think uh, a big picture? By the way, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com, our phone line is out for Zoe Harkham. She only has an hour or so, so we're not going to do any commercials. We have some great products. Just go in there, buy some stuff, and it'll be fine. Um, I don't want to stop. Okay, so uh, where was I going to ask? Oh, seafood. In general, big picture, talk about what you've seen in the research, real, real research and studies on the benefits of seafood, uh, the different kinds. You mentioned oily fish several times. Is that 
Um, or oily fish would be, uh, what's the red stuff? Um, high omega-3, uh, what, salmon. Yes, salmon, yeah, salmon. yeah. Yeah, so salmon, um, tuna, trout, mm. um, sardines. Um, so you can see that the sort of the white fish and it just looks plain and white. Right. Um, and if you, if you grill it, there's really not a lot of fat that comes out of it. So that would be things like your cod, your haddock, your skate, um, monkfish, halibut, um, whiting, um, coli. There's so many white fishes. Um, but then the oily fishes are the ones that even if you grill them, if you look at the tin foil underwood, you see quite a lot of fat that has come out and they just tend to be richer in the omega-3 fats and in the form that the body wants them. So the body wants the EPA and DHA form of omega-3s and you find those in oily fish. So um, yes, you can get omega-3s from um, red meat and you can get them in eggs, but you don't get them in the quantity that you do in oily fish. So mm. if somebody were carnivore, I'd say don't exclude oily fish from your diet just don't it's just too good a way to get those omega-3 fats and then of course it comes with so many other good nutrients so the bone nutrients particularly are found in oily fish so people think milk is a good source of calcium and it is but oily fish is even better really? wow. and it's also got vitamin d and phosphorus so calcium vitamin d and phosphorus are the three nutrients that you want really working together for your bone nutrients and you've got them all in oily fish Mm -hmm. um, and particularly in oily fish where you eat the skin and this is going to sound gross but it, where you eat the bones as well so the ones where you can do this if you get those little tins of pilchards or sardines sardines um, you, you, you can get, get the bone them. in right in the sardines yeah right? exactly so it's just a little tiny fish yeah. and you just eat the fish and, and it's like a soft bone you don't even notice that you're eating a bone it's just a little bit of a crunch like you'd put it on lettuce or something but you're then getting the calcium that the the whole animal had so you're not losing the best bits mm -hmm. um, and the skin of course is one of the tastiest bits especially if you crisp it up and fry it and so on yeah what, what about the uh the, the shrimp and lobster clams uh mussels that whole scallop that whole line uh, what yeah, all good, good. Stuff. all yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, all all great stuff. Giving mm. again those kind of nutrients, the nutrients from the sea, um, really good stuff. Uh, I mean, depending where you live, they're differently um, expensive. They're pretty expensive where I live in Wales, but we're heading out to the Canaries soon, and I just know we're going to go to a fish market, and it's going to be so cheap. We're just going to eat fish for ten days and eat what we don't normally eat. Where are you going, Canary Islands? Yeah, Grand Canaria in the Canary Islands. Where are those little guys hanging out? Yeah, so they're, um, if you look at Africa, they're sort of off the west mm. coast of Africa. Um, so they're sort of south of, of Spain. They, they're Spanish islands, which kind of always baffled me because they're a little bit nearer Africa. The Spanish must have nicked them at some point in history. <laughs> um, makes a change. It's usually the British annexing, or the Americans annexing part of the world. Right. Um, but anyway, they've got African cuisine influence so they will quite often use um chickpeas lentils um herbs and spices that would be more moroccan um, but there's also the spanish influence of um sort of salamis and cooked meats and and fish um, they're on spanish time zone they use spanish currency um, people over there speak spanish um but they're closer to africa and they've just got a wonderful 
climate all year round. Oh, we need to go really there. Temperate. And visit and and but they, I, I suspect then they're just surrounded by this wonderful water that I would assume is pretty clean. So the seafood must be. Really it's very good. clean. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's very clean. Yeah, it gets quite cold because um, they're sort of you know in the Atlantic or whatever. So. Um, quite cold waters, but yeah, lovely, lovely islands, good uh, food. Uh-huh. Here is an email from, um, who is it? Sylvia. And she said, how is it possible to eat how much fat that some of the people Patrick has had on, the carnivore types and ketos that they want you to eat? How do you, where do you get all this fat? Thanks. Yeah. Th- oh, that's a really good that's question. A good question. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. Again, if you go on my website and in the search box, put in LCHF for low carb, high fat, or even just the word butter. So LCHF and butter or just the word butter. And you'll come up with an article that I did that some people in the keto world weren't happy with, but I stand by (laughs) it. Um, My concern is that a lot of people in the keto world um, have gone, somebody like Tim Noakes, okay, is okay. a lean column. He's six foot three or something. Um, he had a little bit of, of tummy fat, which is how he realized he was type two diabetic after many decades of running marathons and carb loading. Um, and then he had to change his diet to deal with his type two diabetes. So people who work in this field, um, like Steve Finney, Jeff Ollick, Tim Noakes or whatever, they're lean athletes um, who are eating in this way to make sure that they're not metabolically deranging their body. So they go very low in carbohydrate. They don't do stupid things with protein. They don't do what the bodybuilders do, having protein shakes and skinless chicken breasts. So they end up naturally that, um, remember that pie? Mm Mm-hmm. It's got to add up to 100%. So if your protein is about 15 to 20%, which it always is, if you knock your carbs down to about 5 to 10%, then necessarily the remainder is going to be fat. So wow. your remainder is going to be 75 to 80% fat. But one of the mistakes that I think people make, and my big worry is that I work in the field of obesity, so I'm not trying to help um low carb high fat athletes to perform better i'm trying to help average people to be the healthy weight that they want to be and they do exactly what sylvia suggested there which is they think i've got to cut my carbohydrate and then i've got to increase my fat to get certain macros and if you are trying to lose weight you must not eat fat for the sake of it you must not be adding butter to food you must not be deliberately choosing a fatty meat, eating all the fat on the steak. You want to be burning your body fat. You don't want to be burning dietary fat. So for you, Mm. low carb, high fat means focus on going very low in carb. Um, And as I say, start below 150 grams a day, then try to go below 100 grams a day. If you've got diabetes, you want to be nearer about 50 grams a day. Don't go mad on protein. So don't have skinless chicken breasts. Have the breast with the chi- with the skin on. Have the oily fish. Um, but do not add butter to your food. Don't add lard to anything. Don't go looking for extra fat. The fat just naturally takes the remainder of that pie chart. You, you do not have to add extra fat. If you do, you are not going to lose body weight. Now, if you're a runner, if you're an athlete, if you're underweight, Add fat. As much as fine. you want. Right, as much as you want. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've dined with Tim Noakes, with Steve Finney. I've dined with these people, and I see that they need to put butter on steak because if they don't, they won't get enough energy 
to be able to fuel the exercise that they're doing. But if you're overweight, you do not want to be adding fat to a normal healthy piece of meat or a normal oily fish. But we've we've heard that meme so so much over the years, Zoe Harcum, that fat doesn't make you fat. But that's um, not necessarily true. Then, if you're saying that it doesn't it doesn't make it you fat, but it won't lose fat. You won't lose fat. exactly. Okay, gotcha. Exactly, and that that is the nuance. So uh-huh. I do, and and Keckwick and Paulwan did a study on this back in 1956, where they had some patients in the Middlesex Hospital in London, and they gave them a certain number of calories of carbohydrate, and they were bedridden patients, so they started gaining weight. And they would gain weight at, let's say, I don't know, 1,700 calories. So then they gave them 2,600 calories of pure fat Mm. and they didn't gain weight Mm. because the body, of course, can't metabolize that level of fat. And without the carbohydrate, it finds it difficult to store that fat. So if somebody came to me and said, I mean, butter is a combination of fat and protein. But if somebody came to me and said, right, I'm going to have nothing but olive oil, coconut oil, lard, sunflower oil so 100% fats over the next week and I'm going to eat 3,000 calories but I'm not going to have any protein I'm not going to have any carbohydrate what do I think is going to happen I think they will lose weight Hmm. even though they're eating more calories than they actually need I think they would lose weight but the minute you deviate from 100% fat you then open up the body's opportunity to be able to store fat because you will be consuming some carbohydrate which will have an impact on insulin or you'll be uh, insulin and glucose or you'll be consuming some protein which has an impact on insulin but not glucose so the minute you start bringing in, in the other macronutrients the whole metabolic balance changes but the bottom line is if you need fat for fuel that's fine if you're slim and you're active that's fine if you're trying to lose weight please 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 do not add fat to your food you want to be burning body fat not dietary fat this is such a common misconception so in the keto world when people are doing all these keto testings Mm -hmm. and they might be testing with these little blood monitors that they've got now or maybe with saliva strips or urine strips and all the rest of it and they say oh i'm in ketosis i'm burning fat they think they're burning body fat they might be burning dietary fat and in fact if they've been eating a high butter a high fat diet thinking that that's what the keto people are doing almost certainly they're burning uh, dietary fat not body fat if you're not losing weight you're not burning body fat it's as simple <laughs> it's as that it's as simple as that right so you don't even yeah. need, you don't even need a meter you just yeah. figure out your diet so you're losing weight right yeah if you've got weight to lose mm. and you're not losing weight you're not burning body fat something is getting in the way of that happening how about weight to gain your host here is 130 pounds soaking wet I have gained uh, about two or three pounds. I've been doing a lot of water with more sea salt. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm more hydrated. And I've actually gained about two or three pounds, but it must just be water, which is interesting. Yeah. I don't know where it is, but you know, I guess it's, yeah. I guess it's in there somewhere. But how about me? Yeah. I've been doing resistance training since May or uh, November to build muscle. What, what, what helps build muscles? What helps build muscle? Because I just do pretty much fat and, and protein, and that's it, you know. Yeah, I mean, build, building muscle is obviously to get enough protein, protein, complete protein. So that's the protein that comes from animal foods that your body can actually use that for um, building and repair. You can't turn fat into muscle. You can only build the muscle that you've got. Um, so if you've got muscles, it's, it's then into weight training and resistance training. Um, but also just generally 
using our arms so um you know i often joke when i'm making chocolate mousse i mean i can feel that now that's working biceps and triceps because that's resistance you sure. know the mi Any mixture gets quite right? stiff yeah. um whisking eggs or whatever you know doing this you realize i mean you know my bicep is fully engaged there um walking squats the kind of stuff that you do at crossfit is just brilliant for for building muscle um, but you can only develop the muscles that you've been given and some people are just naturally more muscly than others um you know we're not all arnold schwarzenegger he yeah. was able to build up to a, a level that most people would never be able to achieve yeah in the movies all these muscle guys and boxers eat raw eggs do you think that's a, a will help muscle or is that just in the movies it's you've just got to get enough um protein from animal foods that your body can use for repair uh -huh. um so I, I think if you're only eating plant protein if you're completely vegan and you're not taking great steps to try to mix your plant protein to try to get complete proteins and you're doing all this resistance training you, you're just really not going to get anywhere um, I really do think you need to get the animal protein. Well, it's not just what I think. You do need to get the yeah. animal protein to build your muscles and to repair when you're doing, because it's essentially when you're doing resistance training, you're damaging the muscles. You're trying to get it to then start trying to repair itself to, to build up. Um, so you've got to be doing some work, resting, but that's the feeding protein. it well. That's the protein. Yes. No, that's, yeah. I went feeding to zoeharkham.com and I just put in LCHF in her search function. And it pulls up some really cool articles, LCHF versus HCLF, LCHF and butter. So if you're kind of wanting to um, exercise and, and weight training and exercise, these would be good things to read, right? And uh, it'll give you some ideas. Yeah. That, um, the one that you mentioned, low-carb, high-fat versus high-carb, right. low-fat, that's a really interesting one. So I think I did that... Um, last week that was last monday's note a great study that came out from the steve finney jeff follick tim noakes team um a guy called philip prins and i've been in comms with the author i quite often do that when i'm doing a a deep you dive into them, these right? studies yeah, yeah I, I i communicate i email them um sometimes they don't like the question i ask and they don't email back and i keep <laughs> on at them um, and sometimes they don't reply, which is wrong because you should reply. Um, sometimes it takes a while, but that was a really good study where he'd taken 10 men who were serious athletes. So they could run a, a mile in un under seven minutes. They were running about 50 kilometers a week. Um, they were middle-aged men and they went on to a um, low carb, high fat diet for 31 days. And then they did the opposite and they looked at their performance. They did some tests in the lab. Um, when they were in the fasted state and they looked at how their VO2 max was doing and all the rest of it. And they performed really well. And up until this study, we thought there was a transition period that if you're a, an athlete like Tim Noakes and you've been carb loading and then you need to switch to fueling on fat and, and protein because you've developed type 2 diabetes, it was always thought that you're going to have about four to six weeks where your performance was just going to be terrible. It was going to tank. And this study has shown that doesn't have to happen. Wow. Um, you you can keep your performance up even during those first first that first month thirty one days. Really good study. Really interesting. Interesting. Um, so I want to get into this a little bit before we go. Um, there's been quite a bit of uh, chatter on the blogosphere about um, this mRNA and the food supply. Have you been seeing? Uh -huh. 
I mean, it's kind of a spooky yeah. subject. And uh, uh, what do you know about this? And just just because we see those letters M R N A, uh, I think it feels to me like a lot of people are jumping into fear that it's it's somehow connected to uh, the whole COVID injection. Is that? Can you help me yeah. out here? I'm kind of confused. Yeah, I'm. This is an area that I'm looking into myself. Okay. So I'm not sure I'm. I'm that much ahead of you at the moment. Other than that, I've like you. I've spotted it. Like you, I'm a little bit concerned about it because most of my calories come from meat and dairy. Right, right. And the idea that they start mucking around with cattle, which is where I get my meat <laughs> and dairy from, is a bit worrying. All all mRNA stands for is messenger RNA. So it's an injection that will go into the body and then it will tell our cells um, to do a certain thing. So it's sending in a message. That's all it, that's um, all it which means. Is, which is why it's called, yeah, it's, it's sending in a message. Now, what we don't want is um, for certain messages to go into animals that are not then healthy for humans to be consuming those animals. So... I know that they try to mess around with cattle to try to reduce the saturated fat content of the animal. Well, there's already more unsaturated fat in cattle than there is in, um, uh, there's already more unsaturated fat. So if you take a steak, it's got more monounsaturated fat than it has saturated fat. So, you know, they're warped in their thinking already, but they do, they're going to try to mess around with our food supply. Part of it, I think, is that they're trying to drive us away from meat and dairy because yes. they want us on this one world plant uh-huh. vegan diet. All the messages are meat and dairy are bad for you. Plant-based diets are good for you. So I think there's a bit of that going on. And I think there'll be a bit of scarium because they know that the people who are most likely to question the mRNA COVID injections are probably also the people who are trying to eat healthily and take yes, vitamin D and exactly. look after their own health. Yeah. Um, I reached out to a farmer friend of mine okay. and said, are you aware of any of this going on? Now, he farms in a really natural way. There's no animals in sheds. His, his um, sheep and cattle are up on the fields in North Wales, roaming the land. They never go near a, a piece of concrete. They don't get fed soybeans. They're just eating grass, which is how it should be. And of course, he's not doing anything like that. But our worry would be um, Europe and whether they bring in legislation such that they're able to do it over in France and Germany, where we might get some of our meat from, or whether they change legislation in New Zealand and we import New Zealand line, lamb or whatever. It's just like it's another yeah, thing that I've got to worry about. How would you know it's in there? You know if it's in there, right? Exactly. How would you know? Exactly. We, we uh, the Texas agriculture uh, head guy, is already looking into this, thinking that they 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 want to just outlaw this in the state of Texas and all the meat we. Oh, have. that would be great! Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, that, another reason to move to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> just another reason. You'll, you'll be full up soon. We'll all be over there. I'm going to write them a letter and say, "Right on, boy." I'm going to write them a letter. Yeah. and so yeah, we have to we it. have to support yeah. these people or or it making yes. sense, right? Because there's not a lot of them out there in the in the political world that do make sense. So yeah, <laughs> you know, very much so. Yeah. Oh man. So before we go, we interviewed a Dr. Chris Kanabi yesterday. Have you heard ah, about okay. him? Okay, I met him at a conference last year. Interesting fellow, yeah. isn't it? Wow, this omega yeah. six and the vegetable oils. Yeah. yeah, and I think he's on to it. I mean, his book—he's uh, got like sixty pages of endnotes to it. Sixty yeah. pages, you know. So it's well documented. Yeah. 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 And he yeah, talked. No, he was really interesting, actually, very interesting. Yeah. And he talked a great deal about that. Even if uh, they're feeding chickens, for example, 
organic feed, but if it has corn and soy, then the omega-6 levels in the eggs are not where we want them to be. I mean, look at how creative yeah. we have to be to get food that is not hurting us. I mean, wow. Yeah, wow. yeah. they're making it really difficult, <laughs> and there must be a reason for that. Yeah. And then they give all these COVID advice, and we're expected to believe that they're doing that because they've got our best interests in mind. It's no, like, I don't think if so. you really had our best interests in mind, you'd be telling us to eat red meat, oily fish, eggs, dairy, and green things. In fact, as simple as and that. And that's a good thing about beef tallow and ghee and all the other fat that we can eat, unless the cows are injected with something weird, we know it's pretty yeah. good, right? It's not going to, yeah. it won't hurt us. And won't yeah. Hurt, yeah. So when Patrick, your host here, just has a tablespoon or, of, of organic grass-fed beef tallow like I do three or four times a day, I do that. I just plop it down. Mm -hmm. Where does it go? I mean, I don't even know where it goes. Where does it go? Where does it go? Okay, so <laughs> carbs start being digested in the mouth. Right. So our salivary enzymes start breaking down carbohydrates. Protein is broken down in the stomach. Mm -hmm. So that's where the stomach with its massive acidity is breaking down protein into the individual amino acids that we need. Fat goes much further down the digestive system. So it goes down into the colon um, where the, the lower intestine and so on will strip out what we need from dietary fat and then any fat soluble nutrients, which is what we're after, get packaged onto um, a lipoprotein called a chylomicron, and then they get sort of put out through the lymphatic system and just go out. I, I, I think of lipoproteins as these little taxis that travel around the body. So they get put onto a little chylomicron taxi and then they travel around the body. And then the cells that need those fats and nutrients take them as the taxis are going past. Oh, cool. So that's what they're doing. And the, the brain uses some of this fat as well, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That will get up there as well. Yeah, the brain, um, very demanding of fat and cholesterol, of course, which is why statins can have such an impact on brain yeah. activity because you've effectively... Um, not stopped, um, but curtailed the body's ability to make protein and to keep protein in the circulatory system by taking statins. Okay, final question. This one is from Gerald, and this is a good way to end. Um, he wants to know, is there substantial research and studies that show that carbohydrates, rice, pasta, these kinds of things do have a connection with coronary heart disease? I'm in an argument with my doctor. <laughs> uh, do you know that's a really good question because it's the opposite and it's insane wow and this is why he'll be in a, in a row with his doctor so a lot of the studies that i look at for monday notes i mean i did a recent one on carbs and cardiovascular disease and it was trying to claim that the higher the carbohydrate intake the lower the cardiovascular disease they try to claim that the higher the carbohydrate or plant intake the lower bowel cancer the lower this cancer the lower it's the opposite it's the all opposite. the time and it's Whoa. just insane because um, it just makes no sense so a couple of quick reasons uh -huh. why that's happening one is they don't do the studies that would show what we know to be true because it would be the end of their <laughs> one world diet and the end of their and vegan statins, the end of statins and everything right? yeah, yeah propaganda um they're not going to fund a study looking at you know the sean bakers and the georgia eads of this world up against a vegan um to show who has got the healthiest biomarkers weight waist circumference and all the rest of it they're just not going to do that mm, um wow and also what tends to happen with the carbohydrate studies 
they're not looking or when they do look at refined carbohydrates of course it comes out with the opposite so people who are eating lots of cookies and ice cream clearly get more component to those right yeah. exactly exactly yeah. so when they say oh look the people eating the most carbohydrate actually have the lowest incidence of cardiovascular disease what they're looking at are the people who eat fruit and legumes and beans and pulses lentils nuts and I think I might have said this before, if you picture the kind of person who's having cashew nuts and kumquat and um, kale, and they shop in Whole Foods, um, they're affluent, they're educated, they don't smoke, they don't drink, they exercise regularly, um, they have medical care, they have all the advantages in life. Um, and it's the healthy person confounder that then makes it look like the carbohydrates are responsible for their health. But the carbohydrates are just something that they do. Um, it's not responsible for their health. All the other things that I've mentioned are what makes them a healthy person. It just so happens that they're also able to afford fruits and legumes and personal chefs and beans and pulses and all the rest so of it. Is the pathway, finally, with the carbs, the insulin and damage in the arteries and the cholesterol comes in, is that the pathway to atherosclerosis? It's one of them. Of I it? think there are a number of things that can damage the lining of the artery. Oh. Um, and one of them will be sugar, one of them will be smoking, one of them will be excess alcohol, be stress. stress. Um, certain conditions come with a, a higher propensity to damage the artery. We know people who tend to granddad died at 46 dad died at 46 the son is looking like he's going to drop dead at 46 there are genetic components to damage to the arteries um i think malcolm kendrick once looked and there are at least 250 things that can cause damage to the arteries 250 um, things yeah i mean that this they're, they're different conditions different i mean pollution um open fires mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. drugs wow um yeah there are just so many things that, is it that the can do same, that is it the same for strokes these all these scary stories where people have a stroke and they you know have their body is it the same principle with strokes as well yeah it is because a stroke is is essentially damage to an artery that's going to the brain to the brain and a heart attack is a damage to an artery that's going to the heart so um, you've got problems in your arteries, basically. You've got a blockage that's occurring. And if you get a blockage in the sort of carotid artery up in the neck, you're going to get a stroke. And if you've got a blockage in one of the um, arteries that is going to the heart, um, you can get a heart attack. And the only question then is going to be how much damage is it going to do? Is it going to be a fatal stroke or heart attack? Is yeah. it going to be a not fatal, but it leaves you, particularly the strokes, as you say, um, the brain being starved of oxygen, even for a short period of time, um, can do so much damage to the body. You, you can actually have um, resuscitation for sort of 10 to 15 minutes if you've suffered a heart attack and make a full recovery thereafter. But strokes, unfortunately, are far less forgiving. Oh. Well, Zoe Harkham, thanks for being here. Have fun. When, when's the Canary Island trip? Thank you trip? for having me. When, when's the Canary Island trip coming soon? Um, 30th of April. 30th of April. For 10 April. days. Are you going to have yes. some of those drinks with little umbrellas in them too when you're there? <laughs> I don't drink, actually. I don't like the taste of alcohol. <laughs> I know, it's really weird, isn't it? My, hu my husband will be enjoying some Spanish wine, red I, wine. I see. 
Um, I just never managed to acquire the taste for alcohol, so I just don't bother. I enjoy other tastes instead. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm crazy enough. That's the last thing I need is alcohol, right? <laughs> and, yeah, then, and then you can have a lobster. You'll probably have lobster, right? Yeah, that'd be nice, Ooh, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah, barbecued lobster. Lovely. Okay. It's zoeharkham.com. And uh, thanks, as always, for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure. Thank you very much yeah. for having you me. I'll see you again soon. See you soon. Cheers, Bye-bye. Patrick. Bye-bye. Bye. Zoe Harkham. She's cool, right? It's, it's great stuff. And uh, I just love it that she digs into these uh, um, these studies and says, well, you know, it, it's, I know. And then, you know, the doctors that look at these studies that you, you know, that's one of the hazards of going to a doctor because, you know, they just interpret them the way they want. And isn't it amazing? How, how do we get to this situation where uh, we have to be so clever uh, to dodge all the landmines in the world of health and nutrition? I mean, it's just amazing. But that's why we're here. We're trying to do everything we can to give you what you need and give you what you want. And if you feel like we do that from time to time or we try to do it every day and some more hits and misses, who knows, please uh, consider donating to our site. You can sign up for a monthly donation, 10 20 30 bucks, 10 bucks, whatever, $5, and uh, help us kind of keep things going our sales, even though our viewership is actually rising a little bit in the last month, um, we're getting more out there, but the sales have been punky doodle over the last um, six months. Just to, And that's the only way we, we make our dollars is by selling products, which like yesterday and today, I didn't even talk about them because I didn't want to. So go on our website, we have... <laughs> shouldn't do that. We have a lot of great products that we really do. The colostrum and the sauna and the hydrogen machine. Um, you've heard them all. Um, Shen Blossom, the EMF device, uh, Blue Shield, um, Sulfur, Aloe. I'm, I know I'm missing some of them. Um, Omega um, and the shower filters and the air filters we have. We've got some really nice products. So if you're looking in, in the X3, this is my exercise program that I'm doing and getting some muscle, getting some muscle, um, the BioAge, we've got really nice products. So if you need something, uh, go on our website, oneradionetwork.com and buy some things. If you don't need anything and you want to support us anyway, you could... You can send us a, a one-off or sign up for a monthly thing. And then if you can't do any of that, it's okay. You can always help. Take some of the the uh, podcast on BitChute or the audio podcast that you really like and say, my, I bet my Uncle George would really understand, you know, get into this so he could get off of statin or something like that. Send it to people and that helps spread the word and as more people come, then more dollars flow in and I have a house payment too. Okay, we're going to take a little break and then we're going to talk about who they are. They, you know they, right? Who they are? With uh, Susan Bradford. Tomorrow, uh, Fred Dashevsky and the real world of money. And man, there's some things going on. Did you see where uh, France Macron, all-time globalist, 
He's now talking down the dollar. So you see these globalists want to crash this thing because they're behind uh, this whole dollar thing going down. They're behind it. and But they control the dollar. So there's something up with these people. They're crazy. So they control the dollar. They own Dollar Inc., the globalists, right? IMF, World Bank, uh, all the banks, J.P. Morgan Chase and all these people. They control the dollar. They own it. And they're doing everything they can to take it off the reserve currency status. So what is their motive? Why would they crash something that they own? Tune in tomorrow and we'll talk to Fred about that. And then Varis Ahmed at noon tomorrow. He's really a fun guy. We've had him on, I think it's twice now. And he's into the world of research and carbs, fats, and all that stuff. So we'll have more of the conversation. Um, check out the show we did yesterday with Dr. Chris Kanabi that we just uh, Kanabi that we mentioned. It's really quite something. These seed oils, the omega sixes, hyaluronic acid, has has uh, been proven. You can track it out, track it out of of the in, um, increases all the diseases we know: obesity, heart attack, high blood pressure. Uh, all these things increase with the amount of seed oils, vegetable oils, and also animals that are being fed corn and soy, even if it's organic. So it's a whole other level of research you have to do. So we encourage you to find some farmer's markets in your area or go online and find some meat places and, and call them up or email them and make sure you understand what they're feeding these animals. Because if they're feeding their chickens, for example, there's a great example I brought up yesterday. We go to the HEB, and if the people at the farmer's market run out, and I know what they feed them, because I, I asked them and I trust them, and they might feed them a little bit of grain, but there's no soy or corn in the grain, it's organic, pretty good. That's the best you can do. But for example, and I'm going to call HEB and find out. At an HEB, they have, um, for example, pasture-raised organic eggs, um, soy-free, so they don't feed them soy. But do they feed them corn? And if it's organic, according to Kanabi, it's not good. The oleic acid omega-6 uh, um, metric in the eggs are not good, and these omega-6 are killing people. That's It, it is. These omega-6 are high oleic acid, or they're killing people. And they have been for what? I, I guess since they started it, it would be in the 1900s when they start bringing in the seed oils with the Wessons, canola, Crisco, margarine, and now all the seed oils. Uh, canola's the big one. Soybean oil, huge. And soybean oil, even if it's organic, not good. It's in virtually every processed food. Walk into the middle aisle of your Safeway or your Kroger or your Giant or oh, H-E-B or wherever you shop. Just go down that middle aisle and pick up some different processed things in a jar and a can at random. And virtually every, every product has some seed oil in there, mostly soybean oil. And these are very dangerous. So listen to the show with Kanabi 
uh, yesterday. It's on BitChute and also on our audio. And get away from these things. Just get away from them. Okay, we'll see you in about 45 minutes. We're going to talk about who they are. And I love you all very much. Thanks for your support. Uh, This is Patrick Timpone. And may the blessings be. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.